Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. So look at me, Saint me. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. There's no keeping up with the Joneses. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Am I done with meeting new friends? A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. This will never be a problem again. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week we are talking about how to be a wide mom, which doesn't sound right, Amy. (laughs) It doesn't sound... You don't mean fitting through door, you know, problems. You mean inclusive. Yes. What I was thinking last night, like, I think she means inclusive. Yeah. And we've been talking a lot about different types of kids, how to have our kids be better allies to, let's say, LBGTQ kids, Having all these conversations, and I said, I feel like we need to talk about how to do this as moms, though. Like, are we putting this work as like, well, the next generation will figure out how to make sure that everyone's welcome at their table. And I had somebody say to me as part of a conversation I was having about diversity and inclusion, and she said, your kids will listen to what you say, but they're also going to notice whose feet are under your dining room table. Mm-hmm. And it really like struck me like, oh, that's right. We're not here to tell people you have to do this work and you have to include this very specific set of people in your lives. But are there ways for us to widen our own circles? And that's what has led us to this conversation today. As I was looking at this, I came upon this description of being inclusive. Mm hmm. This was something on Bright Horizons runs like a couple hundred child care centers around the United States, and they actually had remarkably deep and useful content on this. I'll put the links to some of it in the show notes. So they quoted Miriam Webster, to be inclusive is to be broad in orientation or scope. So broadening the scope of your parenting. Hmm. And they made the argument, which I thought was excellent, that we think of inclusiveness as something we should do to benefit others. Our children should be empathetic. They should be nice to the kid who doesn't have any friends, right? Or whatever, because that's what you should do. You should be a nice person. But they argued that being inclusive is more than just a moral obligation. It's more than something you should do because... You should, although that is enough reason in itself. But more than that, when you are inclusive, the Sprite Horizons article argued, our world becomes enlarged. We gain experiences that enrich us. 
we realize that there are differences among people and those differences bring more joy to our lives so that it's worth doing the work. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And I think that this is something that people struggle with. The idea of like being a nice person is very important to us. But when you are only inclusive from your own understanding of your own niceness, sometimes the results are not as good. I kind of struggle sometimes when I see the Facebook posts, my child, here they are being nice to the child who has a physical difference. And it's a little bit like, okay, by pointing that out on a Facebook post, you are identifying yourself as being somehow higher on some sort of food chain of life than that person or that person's child. And the fact that your child deigned to be nice to someone, I think we have to watch that kind of thought process around it. And we've all been guilty of that, right? Like everybody wants to feel really nice, but I think that we're starting to understand charitable organizations are starting to figure this out. NGOs are starting to figure this out. When we approach the world as like, from our wonderful largesse, we give to the needy and less fortunate, that that doesn't actually yield good results. And I do think that part of being a person who finds a wide life is about saying like, what can I learn from other people? What can other people offer me? And that the starting place must be a humble like, wow, I bet you could learn a lot by talking to a kid who you don't know versus go over and give of your kindness to this poor wretch on the playground. That's a really good shift. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I've had this sort of realization listening to that that's what the difference is. And when you are inclusive, you allow those experiences to change you. You allow yourself to become a different person and to consider that this person has something to teach you as opposed to like, let me work at the food kitchen every Thanksgiving morning and then sleep the sleep of the righteous. I am a wonderful person instead of really getting to know the people in your neighborhood, right? And the people who do things differently than you, because in some ways they're going to do things better than you. You, There's things you can learn and learning from that instead of just going home. We have all been in the process of learning this. Amy and I, because we are hashtag Oldie Locks, please see our merch <laughs> store for Oldie Locks t-shirts and mugs. That was smooth. Thank you. We experienced a television program called The Real World, which taught us this, right? That it was about like you bring eight people together from incredibly different backgrounds, super Christian girl, gay dude, guy from the city, hot dude, all sorts of different people. And as they lived together, guess what happened, Amy? Did they all change and grow? Well, and also they learned what happens when you start being real. Oh, I didn't watch that show. That you stop doing something and start being real. I can't re- You didn't watch The Real World? I didn't know it had a deeper message. Oh, of course it did. It was all about learning and growing. I was really, really into The Real World. I loved it. Obsessed. When people stop doing something and start being real, we've said this before, listening to a podcast is like being a ghost because you know something and the hosts don't and you're screaming it at the radio. It's what happens when people stop doing something and start being real. Lamy, I can't remember the rest of the catchphrase. This reminds me of a conversation that I had last weekend with a group of uh, grown-ups and my recent high school graduate who is about to find out who his freshman year roommate will be at college. That's a big deal. He's finding out. I think it's next week. We're going to get like an email and... Hmm. Exciting times. And then, of course, what did everybody do in this group of five or six people? Like, oh, 
my freshman year, like, oh, what a night. Everybody told either their own my freshman year roommate was a nightmare or my brother's freshman year roommate. Everybody went around the circle and I'm watching my kids face fall. See, also, I'm about to have a baby and everyone's like, oh, my God, I pushed for 79 hours. Yeah, like everybody's doing this. And I felt obligated to say like, haha, in the moment. And then also later, like, you know, that's kind of like a meme. It's a thing people do. If they have a good story, it's not a story like, oh, yeah, my roommate was actually really nice. We're not that close anymore, but we got along. Like, that's not a story worth telling. It's only like, my roommate stayed up all night. But it did occur to me that there is a chance he won't get along with his freshman year roommate. Sorry, his first year roommate. Nobody says freshman anymore. Speaking of, you know, becoming more inclusive, words like freshman and stuff are just changing now. They're first years. And his first year roommate will probably not be his best friend because that's the point of the first year roommate experience is to be exposed to somebody who's very much not like you, as you say, like an opposite making machine. Right. They are not going to put my kid with another kid who likes the same sort of things and is from the same sort of place. It's the point of the experience to widen your horizons and get a little uncomfortable, which is why it's often so fraught. But it needs to happen. Like it's a positive experience overall. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that this is a positive experience for us. I mean, we're having 8 million different Mm -hmm. conversations, but this isn't a conversation about like, well, we have to include more diverse people in our lives or we have to say these things to be on the right page. I'm actually interested in in what areas of our life are we accidentally not meeting a wider range of people, not opening ourselves up to new friendships. I mean, our pool is open right now for the first time since the before times. They never opened our town pool last year for because of COVID. And we're back at the town pool and we sat down and it's just missing that year. I don't know anybody at the town pool. We went early in the morning. So the early birds at the town pool are the people with little kids. We just went because I was like, I'm getting out of the house early and we're spending the whole day there. And my husband and I were looking around and saying, we don't know any of these people. And I was like, oh, I guess we'll just sit and read our books because our kids are old enough to kind of do their own thing. And that's great. But then I thought to myself, like, should I be making an effort to get to know other people at the pool? I don't mean like, should I make sure that I meet someone who's a different religion than I am or someone who's from a different cultural background? Like it's an assignment. Yeah. Like not as an assignment. I don't need any more assignments. My assignment book is completely full. But should I be just striking up conversation? Am I done with meeting new friends, Amy? Or should I be like trying to widen my circle and include more people? I'm not sure. Well, I mean, going back to this Bright Horizons suggestion from the beginning, like, yes, because you would live a joyous and more full life for having done so, not because it's polite and it's a nice thing to do. I guess that's right. There are definitely days where I go to the pool, put my sunglasses on, read my silly magazine and like look up every once in a while and yell at my children. That's fine. It doesn't mean like my (laughs) new assignment is I can never relax at the pool. I have to be making new friends. But as we look at our kids and say like, okay, how do we include people? I was having a conversation with my son the other day. He was talking about he's a new middle schooler and just navigating the playground and like, well, it's really hard because, you know, some kids were playing ball and then I went up to play with them and then it was mostly girls. But then, you know, other boys came up and they kind of ruined it. And then I felt like I ruined their game. And I was saying, you know, the politics of the middle school playground is about the most complicated social interaction you'll ever be in in your life, right? Yes. Is a fraught place? Yeah. 
Well, I think it can be harder, you know, for a kid who's feeling self-conscious and where do I fit in? It's harder for a kid of that age to be the bigger person and to go up to somebody and say hello and not just middle schoolers either, right? It's harder for kids to leave their comfort zone. So I think it's also, it's important to have this conversation with our kids, like how to widen this circle, how to find friends at the playground and be as wide as possible with that. And I think there are some strategies for that that may be even easier than my strategies for how I do it at the pool. So let's come back and let's talk about how we can help our kids do this. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own, and today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. So when you were talking about middle schoolers, it made me think of cliques, which I think that's a term we tend to, you know, associate with middle school and high school. But it's true for all ages that we tend to form groups with like-minded peers. That's what we do as, you know, gorillas and as humans. And that's like a natural thing, right? We seek out somebody who's like us and we attach to them. It's typical. It's not intentional. But those groups... I'm a white person. My group of people who are like me is going to be other white people. And it is going to unintentionally, perhaps, exclude people who aren't white. It's going to seem like this group is for white people. You know, there was that book called Why Do All the Black Kids Sit Together in the Cafeteria? 
Yes. Fantastic book if you haven't read it. And it's like, because all the white kids sit together in the cafeteria, but you guys don't think that's weird. You just think it's weird that the black kids do. Like, the, we form groups with like-minded individuals, and then those groups from the outside can seem very unwelcoming to the neurodivergent kid or the autistic kid or, you know, whatever, a trans kid. That group isn't for me. And that can be unintentional, but it's still present, that feeling. And so you do have to go the extra mile. And I think it's harder for kids to do that than adults. Yes. And I feel like we were circling it a little bit in the first part, but I think that's exactly right. Like, assuming we're all nice people who want to, like, be, you know, wide in our French circles and make other people feel, you know, that we are open to experiences with them, like, that actually takes work. One example is that at my kids' school, they have a buddy bench, which I think most schools kind of have now. It's a new invention where like if a kid is like doesn't have anyone to play with on the playground, they can sit. It says something on the little plaque, but it's like the idea is if you're having trouble finding someone to play with, you sit on the buddy bench and then all the other kids know that you're looking for someone to play with and someone should come up and play with you. It puts sort of an onus on a kid to be like, I'm here by myself and I don't. Yeah. Do they do that? I always ask my kids, I'm like, do people use the buddy bench? And he's like, sometimes people do. But yeah, I think it works really well with little, little kids, you know, Mm -hmm. that like the kindergartners and the first graders use it. But like a fourth grader is probably not going to sit on the buddy bench. And I do think the onus of this is sort of on parents and schools. And one thing we talk a lot about is like, are we skipping conversations, you know? And I think that we talk a lot about like, be nice. And we sometimes forget to give kids the tools that are more specific about like, how do you be nice? Hey, do you look around at recess and see kids who don't have people to play with? And I would say to my kids, hey, do the kids from the supported ed classes, like, do you see them playing with other kids? And one of my kids said to me, oh, well, they usually play with the teachers because they have aides who are with that class. And I said, you know what? It would be totally fine for you to go up to one of the aides and say, we would like to include so-and-so in our game. You may have to talk to the aide to include that kid because they might have trouble if you went up directly to them and talked to them, joining in with what you were doing. But it would be nice. And also, they might say that they're not interested because that's maybe not a game they're interested in playing. Again, watching, watching, working from this place of like, you can have the ball. Yeah. I go and talk to the kids. Oh, look at me, Saint me. Right. But I think in having conversations and trying, I had this experience as a young child and man, did it stay with me. I had a really good friend in like second and third grade who was a total hippie chick. Like we went to her house and like made candles and like, you know, they were hippies. They were like kind of almost like lived on the edge of town kind of hippies. They did their own thing. And okay. They were a very different family than the other families in my like suburban neighborhood. And in the fourth grade, I got hip to like, that wasn't cool. Like candle making and like going over and making corn husk dolls was lame. And so because I was a weak minded, horrible child, I'm joking. (laughs) I did not invite her, although she was one of my closest friends to my fourth grade birthday party because... I didn't want my cool friends to know that I was friends with her. Like it was as simple as that. And my parents, and I honestly don't even remember whether in fourth grade, like it ever occurred. I was like 
It seemed probably to me like a very objective calculation. Like she's dragging me down. I got a shot. I got a clean and clear shot into the popular crowd. And like, I'm sorry, I enjoyed doing cornhouse dolls with you, babe. But like, I got to move on. Like, this is my chance. Yeah, we talked about this in the Judith Warner interview that I did with her a couple months ago, that it's just something that happens in middle school that you start to define yourself very clearly. Like, I am this, I'm not that. Like, you figure out who you are by rejecting the kids who you don't think should reflect who you are. And it's cruel, but every kid does it. Yeah, but the result was that my parents sat me down at like a meeting and said, we noticed that you didn't invite her and we want to know why. And I said, oh, oh, we're not as close as we used to be. Like, I didn't say like, oh, because she's dragging me out of the popular. I knew I was in trouble, you know. <laughs> and they basically said, you know, I don't know if they made me. They didn't really make me. My guess is what they did because they were Irish Catholic parents is they were like, we will let you reflect on this in your soul and you can come to us tomorrow and let us know if you really thought that was the correct decision to someone who's been a good friend to you all these years. And I'm sure I went upstairs and cried for like four hours because I was like, on the one hand, I know it's wrong. But on the other hand, I'm going to lose my shot to be a popular kid. It was hard. Yeah. Anyway, I ended up inviting her to the party and it went fine. But I think about that a lot now with my kids and like how to put those things in their path as much as possible. And I think that probably, don't you think the key is like just having these conversations at dinner? I think the key is starting earlier. You know, we talked about teaching our kids about race a year ago, right? I'm going to put a link to that episode in the show notes. We had a fantastic conversation. And it started from this idea of like, we don't see color. The world is, you know, children of all types holding hands. Like, that's not really what's happening. And even small children see differences. And when we, you know, parent them, like, no differences here, but it's the same. They're like, there is a difference. And I'm not having it explained to me. So it must be a difference that isn't good or else people wouldn't be pretending it wasn't there. And so they start to ascribe meaning and three and four year olds do that. And then 11 and 12 year olds are like the corn doll kid is weird. <laughs> Maybe if you're talking with your three and four year old, and I feel like I didn't do a good enough job of this at the time, perhaps, you know, about differences and how people are all shapes, sizes and colors and you have unique characteristics too. And, you know, just bringing the wide world to your small children might make an 11 or 12 year old who is more willing to invite the slightly weird kid to the birthday party. Yes, as we keep it age appropriate and developmentally appropriate so that Uh we talk about the world that we see, but we may not, when we have conversations about like kids who have different kinds of houses, different kinds of clothes, their parents drive different kinds of cars. This kind of stuff comes up for us all the time. We visited a friend of a friend once and their house had an elevator and my kid exclaimed quite loudly. They had an elevator inside of their home, their house. Like a, mm-hmm. It was a house with an elevator. And my kid screamed quite loudly, wow, what does a place like this cost you? Like he couldn't <laughs> believe they had an elevator. <laughs> and they were incredibly wealthy, you know? And so we talk about like, wealth and how it plays out and people having different kinds of wealth. Now, a four-year-old is going to understand those issues a lot differently than a 16-year-old, you know, but I think that the question is yes, not being afraid to have those kind of conversations and not being afraid to put a fine point on how issues of race, neurodiversity, wealth, all sorts of things that make people other and different are playing out in 
schoolyards and like that there is some personal morality attached to that that they should be aware of and thinking about as they include and exclude other kids. I think it starts with not, you know, shaming them. Of course, like you're embarrassed that your kid's like, how much does this house cost? And you want to teach your kids to not say, oh, that lady's so fat or whatever. Like that is a process we have to go through. But it is natural that kids do this, right? I see something different that I see this over there. Like we are wired to look for the ways other people are different from us. And then I think we need to, I don't know, like talk about that at the table and answer that kid's questions and then talk about, we don't necessarily talk about it in front of those people, but we can wonder about it. And you can always ask me questions about it later. And maybe it's also about, I guess it's also about modeling for our kids. I'm thinking of one instance in particular, I didn't have my kids with me and I wished I did because I was doing a speaking event at a bookstore and it was a bookstore that was, all the employees were on the autism spectrum. And the owner of the bookstore was not on the autism spectrum, but he had a a son who was, you know, pretty profoundly autistic. And I said something about like, I said something to the dad, like, oh, he said, this is my son. And I said, oh, how old is he? And he said, why don't you ask him? And and he said it very kindly. I'm sure he's had to say that, you know, 750,000 times. But this young man, I perceived as different from me, right? As not somebody who was going to be able to talk to me or look at me, but it doesn't mean you don't try, right? And so, you know, I asked the kid how old he was and it took him a couple of seconds and he answered me. And I had to live through that discomfort to learn a very important lesson, which is just because somebody is acting differently than me, it doesn't mean they can't hear me or that they're not, you know, open to having a conversation with me. And I wish I had my kids with me so that they could have seen me not fail, but see me get that wrong and then get that right. And I think it's even a it's a story you tell at the dinner table. And then one other thing, because I think this really struck me when we were talking to Ellen Kahn about kids and LBGTQ issues is she said she was talking about a program and she said, and that's a program you should check if your school is interested in having. Yeah, it was welcomingschools.org. Yeah. And that really struck me. Deborah Porter spoke to us about this as well. I think that Sometimes if we are white moms, moms of neurotypical kids, moms of uh, straight kids, cis kids, whatever it is, like we are saying our kid is within this sort of center range and that we don't think it's our job to be going in and saying, hey, do you guys have programs? We have a program at our school called Walk in Their Shoes, where all of the kids participate in um activities where it's like you would try to experience what it's like to have be a kid with a visual impairment, to be a kid with autism, to how you would experience the world. And it's a program that says to kids, like, why don't you feel what this is like so that, you know, and step two of that is then you can welcome those kids more because you've come to understand like, oh, I could see that I could have this experience of being visually impaired. It wouldn't make me scary. It would make me have problems navigating the stairs maybe, but it are your schools offering programs and talking to kids about how to understand kids from all sorts of different backgrounds. And if they're not, it's probably a good idea to get involved in the school scenario and say like, hey, I heard about this amazing program. And then unfortunately, friends, can I be the person who brings it in and facilitates (laughs) it? Because Right. We'd love for you to. Right. You're right. We're not allowed to go in and be like, you know what you should do? Like we've learned that that's not allowed. I heard a story about a 
rather small uh, parochial school where one of the assignments that was sent home just both presupposed a two-parent family and that one of those parents would be a mother and one of those parents would be a father, right? So sort of like a double whammy that like families come in one shape and size. And somebody whose family did come in that shape and size was the one who went to the school and said, you know, this is very hurtful and we actually have a kid in this class that has two dads and you need to rethink this and went to bat for them, didn't know them, felt like, I don't know if it's my job to get involved, but like, I just feel like I should say something. Anyway, this two dad family reached out to her later and said, like, thank you so much. We really appreciated that. We were hurt by that. We didn't feel like we could say something. We feel like our relationship in this school is kind of tenuous. We don't really fit in and we didn't want to make a big deal about it, but we really appreciate that you did. So there's a case where somebody did go to bat, even though she wasn't sure she should, and it was totally the right thing for her to have done. It's also a case of what we're going to turn our attention to next, Amy. Looking at the man in the mirror after this break. Okay. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, the moms you will meet at the town pool this summer. From the What Fresh Health Podcast. The I'm here all day and I am prepared, mom. Your towel's wet, no problem. I have a duplicate backup towel system. Hungry? Do you want morning snack, morning meal, or early post-lunch nosh? 
goggles. Of course, I have goggles. What size and shape do you prefer? Oops, there goes my timer. Let's reapply sunscreen, people. The watching the weather on her app, Mom. Nah, I'm looking at the Doppler on the phone, but my calculations will be fine. That storm is going to come in at least a mile north of us. We might get a sprinkle around 347 for about six minutes, but nothing to worry about. The mom of older kids. Oh, me? Oh, I, I don't even know where my kids are. They might be over by the deep end. Or maybe they walked over the basketball courts with some friends. I've just been sitting here reading my novel and enjoying this delicious mint-infused tea I brought. The we are not here for ice cream, Mom. No, we are not here for ice cream. We are here to swim. No, we've got popsicles at home. Oh, forget it. I'm not spending six bucks on a SpongeBob pop that's going to melt all over you. It's not going to happen. The auxiliary lifeguard, Mom. Did you hear the lifeguard? She said no running. Hey, cool it with the roughhousing. Snack bar kids, remember, you need to sit for 30 minutes after you eat before you swim. Oh, the internet said that was a myth. I don't care. I've got my eyes on you. This has been the moms you will meet at the town pool this summer. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. So the thing that really brought me to this topic, and we've been talking a lot about our kids because I think that that's how it plays out and it's important to think about and talk about. But what really brought me to this topic is this idea of, I see this so much. I mean, man, is being a mom like just such a repeat of that middle school experience, right? Where I feel like everybody sees those clicks again and sees like, oh, those are the sporty moms. Those are the tennis club moms. Those are the hippie moms. And there's a million jokes about that. We've made those jokes like, oh, the crunchy mom versus the always on time mom, the Peloton mom, right? It's fine. There are people who act certain ways and we categorize them. And, you know, we're not here to say like, oh, we should have never done it. Yikes. But... I do think it's interesting as we have had this experience, Amy and I very specifically, of talking to this fascinating wide range of moms who are doing all sorts of things and raising all sorts of kids, that it does make me ask the question of like, where am I closing my own circles? Where am I making other moms in my community and my town feel excluded? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Amy, where am I and how can I fix it? Well, there was a, an article, Melissa Hart wrote an article for Parents Magazine called Five Ways to Help Children Be More Inclusive of Other Kids. And she, this was one I'd never thought of and all my years parenting, so I wanted to be sure to say it in this episode. She said, make sure that you're scheduling play dates with the kids in the class whose parents don't necessarily speak English or not English as a first language because those kids are being left out of the chit chat and the birthday parties and the stuff because their parents don't speak English, don't have the email account or whatever. Like they're not being contacted and it's not the kid's fault. And she gave an example of a parent who actually like had to use Google Translate to set up a play date with the kid because there was no way to communicate with the parent otherwise. But guess what? There are ways to do it now, including through the kid. My kid had a friend who could translate, you know, for his parents because he spoke two languages. And it's worth doing that work. Like I was like, wow, I never really thought of that. The inadvertent exclusion of parents who aren't fully participating in the school process because the school is, you know, is leaving them out without meaning to, but they are. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think it's a dicey one because it's like, okay, this is an issue that affects the LBGTQ community. Oh, I know who we should reach out to. Here's the three families in our town that we know fit into that category. Mm -hmm. And that is annoying. 
<laughs> it's actually not that helpful to always be like, I have decided to befriend you because you're gay and I am a person who wants to be inclusive. Like, right. don't do that. But I think it is an awareness question of as you sit at the pool with friends and stuff, are you just always making that? We talked about this with Radha Agrawal when she was on like the, what did she call it? Like a portal person, like a person who pulls other people in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids are a great connector, you know, because the kids do some of this, like they're going to maybe more naturally gravitate to kids who look like them or seem like them in whatever way. Right. But this has been hard for COVID too. Like when I'm in the classroom, I know all the kids' names. So when a kid comes out who maybe speaks a different language or I don't know the mom, I'll go over and be like, hey, Peter, how are you? Oh, this must be your mom. And try to make a connection and like, oh, we should get them together for a play date. And it's great to use the kids as connectors to people you don't know. Mm -hmm. And like follow your kid's lead to some degree, like, and just give a bigger range of people. I think a try is really helpful. And then if Peter comes over and you're in your friend group, it's like, oh, this is Peter. Do you know this group of people? And like, try to fill that role of being a connector. I think it's important. Now, I am a person for whom that comes very naturally and an extrovert. And I don't know if that sounds like a horrible nightmare to some people. Well, it makes me think of there's something people do in New York City kind of because you have to. People do a lot of stuff in public parks. Like, let's have a birthday party for all the kids who are going to have, you know, birthdays in like April, May, June in the whole class. We're going to have a party in the park. And then it's just this sort of common space where everybody can show up. And it doesn't matter if somebody brings two people or eight people and you bring a bag of potato chips or soda or you bring a cake. It doesn't matter. And it's this sort of common ground where everybody can meet. And as long as it doesn't rain, it's really utopian because in New York, it's pretty particularly fraught, like people's apartments are small or you, you're embarrassed of it or it's not as nice as somebody else's. And meeting outdoors in a park is just the most inclusive way to do it. And so my kid's school has been during COVID and now it's going to keep going. It's just like every Saturday, there's a thing like come if you want. It's the same picnic table every week. And sometimes it's 50 people and sometimes it's 10. I think you can sort of set up that thing. And then there's no keeping up with the Joneses. There's no reciprocating. There's no like, oh, when she had people over, she had it catered. So I have to do this. You know, it's just come in the park, come as you are and creating those sort of things where everybody can just show up, I think is a great way to be inclusive and run your community. I agree. And I think that there are ways to do this for kids who are not neurotypical, uh -huh. that putting something on your invitation that says, you know, Invite the whole class, first of all. Just invite the whole class. Like, right. have it in a park. But that's a really good way to be inclusive is invite every kid, you know, and reach out to the teacher and you can say, hey, I know there may be a kid in this class whose mom or dad doesn't speak English as a first language. If you see them, can you let them know? Can you loop them in? Like, go the extra mile to include everybody. And then you don't have to target kids and say, I think you can make a mistake sometimes by targeting a kid who might not be neurotypical and being like, what do we need to do for your kid? But I do think writing on your invitation, on your evite, if your kid has sensory issues and needs to make any adjustments, please let us know. We're happy to do that. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to accompany your kid, if it would make them more comfortable, please let us know. We're happy to do that. If your kid has allergies and cannot eat certain foods, please let us know. We're happy to do that. Like, Go an extra mile to just say to people like, 
I'm here to help. I, the first one of the first things I did when I moved to my town was throw a cast party for my son's little school play. There were kids with allergies. People had different things, and some people were cranky about it. Like, I just want to bring the food I want to bring, and it's like, well, we're going to meet in the middle, friends. Like, this is how we're going to do it. We can have a separate table. We can do all sorts of different things, but. We're not going to make kids feel bad for being allergic to food. That's not how we're going to do this thing. Yeah. And I get it. It's not as fun as being able to be like, let's eat whatever we want. I get it. But I am going to try to go the extra mile to say, we want your kid and we want you, mom, to be a part of what we're doing. And like, we're willing to go two or three extra steps out of our own dopey comfort zone to make that happen. Mm hmm. Well said. It takes work, though. It takes some work, and it also is a little bit... You can hear as we talk about it, it's a little bit of a tightrope, right? Like, we're a little squirrely around some parts of it because you want to get it right. No noblesse oblige. You want to be like, it isn't like, look at wonderful me coming over and saying hello to you. That can't be that way. It has to be out of a genuine curiosity to learn from somebody. Yeah, and people don't need anything from you except for your friendship and your outstretched hand, you know, and it's about teaching your kids too. Like it's not about what you can give to other people. It's about just like you include people as part of who you are as a person. Well said. And some of this stuff needs to be done on a larger scale and you need to be on the lookout for programs that can really affect this kind of stuff in, in schools. Because we say this about play. We said it in our play ex Kids need to be taught how to play. Some kids really do not know how to play and they need to be taught. Kids need to be taught how to include people. And we as parents sometimes need to be taught how to include people. I want to give a shout out to WeNeedDiverseBooks.org. I will put a couple of other links in the show notes as well. But that's a great place to find books for your school, for your home. And, you know, just get books and videos and TV shows in your home featuring people who don't all look just like you. It's a great way to start these conversations. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, solved it. <laughs> this will never be a problem again. <laughs> we have solved the entire issue of diversity and inclusion in the American universe. So there's that. Yeah. Have you rated or reviewed this podcast yet? I mean, there's got to be a few of you out there who never have. Yes, I have, Amy. I gave it a very good review. I said, especially you, I said I was great and you were pretty good. Thank you. Rating and reviewing podcasts you love like this one or Toddler Purgatory, it's a great way to help more people find the show. You can do it right where you're listening. Swipe, tap, give us some stars, give us some love. Give us some love, people, and help other people find us. And with that, go be an inclusive, wide mom. You shouldn't even be able to fit through the door, be, that, be so wide. And we will talk to you next time. So long. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.